Hey, welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam, back again is the Chiefs. For the first time, really, is, is a team, most of them, take the field for the first time uh, in OTAs. How you doing, Verderam? All right, how are you? Hanging in there. Rough week. Of course, our thoughts go out to, to all of the, the, the victims down there in Texas. Just an absolutely awful situation. And um, hopefully we can get a handle on this type of violence soon. And uh, the people that get paid to do something about it will we'll actually do something about it and try to find a solution. Um, but we're here to talk Chiefs football, so we're going to get into that. Yeah, man. So OTA. So the, this we'll give you a quick rundown just like of the schedule, just so you know what what to expect. The, the they have three sessions of, of OTAs. It's 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 off season. What is it? Off season training activities. Is that what it stands for? Yes. Yeah. Off season training activities. You know, uh, uh, years back when they were doing a new CBA, um, they, they relaxed a lot of the rules, the things that teams were allowed to do in the offseason, how much contact there could be, how much pad wearing there could be in practices. And so um, OTAs kind of became a everything very regimented. So the Chiefs get uh, two days here in May, the 25th and the 26th, and then they'll do May 31st through June 2nd and June 7th through the 10th. And then they'll have a mandatory minicamp. OTAs are voluntary. So a lot of people were there uh, yep. and then they'll have a mandatory mini camp June 14th through the 16th. They've already had their rookie mini camp. And then after that, it's, well, it's the, the road to training camp begins. Very exciting. Any, any big takeaways for you, Vern, uh, the Chiefs are on the field at OTAs? No, I mean, nothing crazy. Orlando Brown's not there, but that's not surprising. I didn't expect him to be there. He's trying to get a new contract done. That's pretty standard. He'd kind of be crazy to show up, honestly. I mean, you know, all it takes is, the one wrong step and all of a sudden you're screwed. I was a little surprised that Chris Jones wasn't there. I'm not, again, they're, they're voluntary. Like I don't want to make too much out of it because I think sometimes people go crazy about that kind of stuff, but no, I, I don't think there was any huge surprise. Nicole Hardman tweaked a, a hamstring. So be it. You know, maybe he sits out the rest of the OTAs or something. We'll see. I will tell you though, uh, so far, look, they're OTAs. These, these are guys running around in shorts and shirts, but I, I'm impressed by what we've seen so far in the limited action we've seen so far from the receivers. Uh, Justin Ross did the, you know, the one highlight that went somewhat viral, uh, catching it with one hand out in front of him, down and away. Yeah. I think for me, look, you know what 95% of this roster is. You know, you know most of these guys. I'm more curious about these guys who are young, either rookies or second year. You know, maybe guys trying to move up and crack the lineup um, or get, in at, get, a, get a bigger role. I think those are the guys for me that OTAs minicamp, I, I try to follow and, and see, you know, kind of lead, lead through the breadcrumbs and see what's said about them. Yeah, it's a good time to get in front of those coaches. Yeah, you're in shorts and T-shirts and all that, but they can get in front of coaches and it's it's a feeling out. It's, all right, let's let's just kind of get everybody in here. Let's start building some team chemistry. Once they get into training camp, things are going to be pretty regimented. Yeah, they're going to be trying to figure out some things, figuring out some fringe bubble roster guys and things like that. But training camp is to get ready for the season, is to get ready to, to get the, the people that are going to be out there on the field ready to go. And so if they want a chance to, to steal some of those reps in training camp or get more looks, now's a good time to start making an impression. And if you can so, show some flashes, remember a lot of these guys, they haven't, they, they haven't been on the team. So 
the coaches aren't familiar with them. They've got not gotten to see them on a regular basis. So it's really a great opportunity. I agree for those folks to to show a little bit of what their skill sets like. So yeah, per, per Pete Sweeney at Arrowhead Pride, not in attendance, Orlando Brown, who was tagged, and we know they're right. still working on a long term deal with him. He doesn't have an agent. That's the whole big thing, I guess, is that they're <laughs> they're trying to uh, he's trying to hire an agent so they can negotiate that deal. So. Uh, a few other notables that were not in attendance because of sickness or other obligations or just because they didn't feel like coming, I guess. Possible. Uh, Frank Clark, Nicole Hardman's got a hamstring injury. Chad Henney wasn't there. Um, not 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 really a big deal. No Darius Fountain, no Chris Jones, no Lucas Yang, Colin Sanders, one Thornhill, your other notables. Anything stand out for you in that group, Vera? No, not really. I mean, some of those guys are hurt and coming back from injuries. Some of those guys are veteran guys i mean look you in a perfect world true you'd love to have a hundred percent attendance but i i don't i don't think it matters you know it's not like any of these guys are in some kind of a protracted holdout with the team where you're worried about are they going to come back is it going to force a trade there are some guys who are like that around the league Debo samuel not showing up in san francisco kyler murray not showing up in arizona so on and so forth lamar jackson kind of oddly not being in baltimore that that would be the stuff that I, I think you'd worry about. But for the Chiefs, none of those guys rise to that level. I think it's, again, you know, I'd like to see some of these defensive guys be there, quite honestly. I mean, you have such a huge change in personnel on that side, but it is voluntary. And let's be real. If I pulled up the 2019 attendance of the OTAs, could anybody tell you? Could anybody tell you who was there? Like, do you think Chris Jones has fallen off the face of the earth because he wasn't there to, to run through some some drill in, in shorts and a T-shirt? Like, yeah. It's always nice to have that that you know uh, ninety man roster all there and accounted for, but I don't think it makes any big difference. Hey, I want to take a quick moment to let you know that the Arrowhead Attic Podcast is brought to you by our friends, and I do mean that they are our good friends at the Kansas City Beer Company, KC Beer Co. It's the largest locally owned brewery in Kansas City. And they're also the only brewery in Kansas City that focuses on German beer styles. Uh, as you know, they brew their beer according to the German purity laws of 1516. Only four ingredients, malt, hops, water, and yeast. It is absolutely delicious. Love their beer. I'm burning through my supply, which is not a good thing because I need to, I'm supposed to save it to drink on the podcast sometimes. But they, look, it's an award-winning brewery. They got a terrific lineup of brews. I just got a bunch of new stuff I'm really excited about. I've been, I've got this one sitting on my desk. It's super fancy. It's got the purple foil on it. It's called Koning, Koning Eisenbach. Yep. I'm definitely going to tear into this one. Got that majestic animal on the on the label. Looks great. Can't wait to try it. And you just recently had the, uh, the light pills, which I didn't even know existed. I might have to get my hands on one of those. I have to call the folks at Casey Beer. Give it a try. But listen, uh, if you guys could do us a favor, we'd really appreciate it, especially in these long summer days. Give at Casey Beer Co. a shout on Twitter. Let them know you heard about their beer on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. It keeps us in business. Dare to beer different. And please drink responsibly. All right. The preseason schedule, by the way, is now set. I know the schedule came out, but everything wasn't decided. This isn't the most exciting announcement of, of the year, but figured we'd go over it here. Um, so game one, Saturday, August 13th, the Chiefs are actually going to be here in Chicago at noon. Are we yeah. going, Verberan? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I, I think I actually think I'm coming back from New York like the day before that. So, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'll be there. Why not? It's an excuse to hang out, not have to work, and uh, drink $15 beers at Wrigley. Or at Wrigley. I wish it was at Wrigley, at uh, Soldier Field. It's always fun to go to those. I, I, I saw I, – the first time I saw Mahomes play was at a preseason game here in Chicago um, in too. person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, God, it's so damn hot 
August. Was, yeah, yeah, it was brutally hot. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, no shade at Soldier Field. I say um, for half the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was too hot. Mahomes was done playing. The defense had given up like 85 points to Mitchell Trubisky, and that was the end for me. Yeah, they did not look great. It was not an enjoyable. Oh, they were hideous. Yeah, that was that was his uh, MVP. Yeah, it was. It was. So that just tells you everything you need to know about the preseason. Doesn't mean anything, but you can get some insight. That would my advice to you about the preseason: just focus on individual players. Like, look at what they do. Look at how they play the yeah. game. Right. Yeah. Like that's going to tell you. You saw it, like well, the flashes from from uh, from from Derek Gore last off season. You know, like it doesn't mean that they're going to make the team or any of those things. If somebody has a big preseason, but uh, it, it, it's there's a lot you can glean from it. Then uh, game two, Saturday, August twentieth, Washington Commanders at Arrowhead at three, and then game three is a Thursday game, August twenty fifth. Packers at Chiefs at Arrowhead at 7 p.m. Remember, of course, that there's only three preseason games now, thank God. Right. Uh, One fewer games for people to get hurt in. Yeah, and I'm with you. The preseason to me is so overblown. Like every year, and and it makes sense. You know, we've all waited for football for so long that once it's back, all of a sudden it becomes like this referendum on everything. But it's so hard to evaluate players in the preseason because – you know, even if it's a guy in the second string, third string, who's just destroying people. I remember Darwin Thompson and thinking Darwin Thompson was going to be Jamal Charles because yep. he looked unbelievable in the preseason. Yeah. Never did anything. Yeah. Now, got a ring. Did get a ring out of it, but I mean, never did anything of note. And, then, you know, there are other times you'll watch a guy, maybe a young kid, a rookie, and he'll play on the first team and they'll struggle. But then, you know, four games into the year looks great. It's just because he was going against first teamers and not third teamers. So every once in a while, you'll see somebody who you're just immediately like, that kid's good. I don't care who he's going against, you know, whatever. But, you know, if I'm not mistaken, the year the Lions lost all 16 games, I think they went 4-0 in the preseason. Yeah. Like, it's just. So did the Browns. The Browns went, went I think, 4-0 in the preseason and then went 0-16. You know, and by the way, Sam asked an interesting question. How does the league pick preseason games? So, Sam, I'll tell you this. I know – so now with the unbalanced schedule the way it is, you know, the, the Chiefs only have eight home games compared to nine road games this year in the regular season. So what they do is to make up for some of that gate, two, two of the three preseason games will all be at home for the AFC teams. As far as picking the games, I think the teams just kind of make it themselves. I'll, I'll double check on that. But I think the teams actually just kind of agree on certain dates and games um, with help from the league. There's no, like, formula. There's no, like, oh, you'll play this team this year. And a lot of times, I know when the Rams are in St. Louis, like, for years, the Chiefs would play the Rams then the preseason because you didn't have travel. You know, yeah. and then the Chiefs played the Packers for a while because it was a close game. So a lot of times teams will do that. Like the Jets and Giants play every year. Um just makes sense. But a lot yeah. of times, though, teams won't play each other if they're going to play each other in the regular season. Not always. Happens sometimes. But a lot of times, I'll avoid that. Yeah, it does seem to be a little bit based on geography, too, right? Like, we've been playing the the Bears a lot in the preseason. It seems like we play the Packers every preseason. Um, you know, I think yeah. we play the Vikings. Like, yeah, you stay close to home. Interesting, the, the Commanders this year. That's That'll be an interesting one. Um, yeah. 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 So, you know, you get to, get to test things out a little bit. I mean, basically, for me right now, I'm just like – I, I need to get like a, a little eight by 10 of Mahomes, a little bit eight by 10 of Kelsey, you know, Chris Jones, just light candles and just keep right. me going around the clock because all it's about is not getting hurt. That's it. I mean, you know, it, sometimes we, we get too worked up about the results. And even if a guy looks good or bad, none of it matters. Just stay healthy. Yeah. Because unfortunately, every year, every year, some team has a huge guy go down in preseason. You know, and a lot of times, unfortunately, it's, you know, even in training camp, even just in practice, because a lot of times 
you know, guys are just getting back into the swing of things and all of a sudden you're out there and you're running full speed and you haven't run full speed in a, in a practice setting in how long, right? Eight yeah. months, nine months. You're out there, you're running, you're cutting. All of a sudden, you know what? Maybe your knee's not ready to make that kind of a cut that hard, that fast. Your, your knee gives out. I mean, that's to me, I feel that way every year about training camp. OTAs, mini camp, and the preseason. When you have a team as good as the Chiefs do, just get through it. Yep. And look, a guy tweaks his ankle, whatever. But you don't want to have some guy out for half the season, the season, because of some stupid thing that happened in a mini camp. It's it's just those are the kind of injuries that are so avoidable. And yet at the same point, they're not because it's football and it happens and you just hate to see it. Yeah, and they, they get to training camp. It, it happens sometimes this time of year too, but it's like the, those first – like that first week of training camp, it's just carnage. It's ACLs, Achilles. Yep. Like I'm just, I'm holding my breath the whole time. So hopefully everybody's nice and stretched out. Chiefs do a pretty good job with that. Gonzo asks about the the our thoughts on Lashawn McCoy's comments about Eric Bainley. We're going to get to that a little bit later in the podcast. By the way, if you're if you're listening, uh, if you're an audio listener, we appreciate your support. If you could give us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd we'd really appreciate that. I wanted to ask you about this, Verm. It was kind of the topic of the week, uh, football-wise. Is Travis Kelsey underpaid? So kind of the impetus for this, a couple of different things, right? George Kittle made some comments, great tight end over in San Francisco. He really admires Kelsey, and he knows his stuff, George Kittle. Um, I've really, I really like George Kittle. I really liked him ever since I saw him on the, the Super Bowl, you know, mic'd up. Like, he's just yep. super, like, affable guy. Yeah, be a guy you'd want to have on your team. Um, and he pointed out that Travis Kelsey makes, like, half of what great receivers make, the best receivers, and, and in many cases, less than half. And since 2016, I believe, he has the most receiving yards in the NFL. It's it Travis Kelsey with 7,269 yards, and then he's followed up by Devontae Adams, who has 7,192, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, and Mike Evans. Um, so, of course, Kelsey was asked about this. So let's hear from him first. And he said, money is secondary in my mind. I'm here for the legacy, and I'm here to try to make Can the Kansas City Chiefs the best team possible. Man, everything I know of fans, they got a – Fucking love that. <laughs> yeah. Fans hate when players talk about wanting to get money. I'm very pro. Make as much as you can while you can. I understand it. I get it. But to hear a comment like that from from a guy like Kelsey can really endear them even more to the fan base. What's, what's your opinion on this, program? Kelsey's comments and is he underpaid? He is underpaid. And he's been underpaid most of his career. He's now had three contracts, including his rookie contract. And you know, Gonzo brings up he's the second highest paid tight end in the league. Well, he is um, behind, behind George Kittle. But th there's also some wiggle room in that so this year he's making 8.8 .8 million against the cap which is ridiculous i mean he can make double that 250 percent of that and he'd still be worth the money then it jumps to 14.6 16.4 18.6 but here's the catch of that the chiefs can basically move on in any of those years for no penalty against them so if they were if for some reason god forbid they were to cut him after the season they don't 4.2 in dead money next year but they'd save 10.4 the following year they they Oh, 2.8 in dead money, save 13.6. And then the last year of the contract, 1.4 in dead money, 17.25 in savings. The point is, Kelsey really did not get a ton of guaranteed money in that contract. Okay. That that contract extension that he got, it it essentially guaranteed him a couple of years. And then it was just year for year options for the Chiefs. He he is definitely underpaid. That being said, I remember when he signed that contract and I reached out to a handful of agents, and every one of them was like, why in the world is it would his agent, why would he signed that deal. Chiefs got a steal in that. And I think you heard why. 
I don't believe a lot of times that guys would take less money. Like when you hear free agents that are on the market, like Jadavion Clowney got one year and 11 million or up to 11 million with Cleveland. And you hear these reports of like, well, he he got more offers that offered more money. And no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Because you would have taken him. If he got offered two and 25 and he turned it down for one and 11, okay, I, I will eat my shoe. He got offered one and 11 and that was the highest offer he got. He took it. And that's fine. It's a lot of money. But with Kelsey, I actually do believe it because he could have easily told the Chiefs, no, 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 I want five and 80. Could easily done that. And if the Chiefs didn't give it to him, somebody else would have given it to him. So in this case, yeah, I think, you know, he's made a rare guy who I don't know him personally. I know nothing about his finances, but seems like a very smart guy. He's invested back in the community. It seems like he's invested himself pretty well. I do not envision him having a lot of problems financially after he's done playing. Just doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would, um, based off of some of the things he's talked about in different interviews about the way he's handled his off-field life. So I think for him, he means it. And look, he's 33 years old. He doesn't have forever left to play. That being said, he's still pretty damn good. I mean, he's still as good as he ever was. And I expect him to be in that in that Kansas City Chiefs uniform at least for a few more years. Uh, and who knows? Maybe they even at some point add on an extra year, give more guarantees and, and restructure it. It's possible. Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, he's absolutely tremendous. He, look, he's not the best receiver in the league, right? But he has been the most productive receiver in the league. And um, it's just so happens that he played. Look, you don't run into this too often because he's special, right? Guys like uh, Kelsey Kittle when he's right. You know, some of these other guys, Darren Waller. Um, they're, they're special when it comes to the tight end position. Most tight ends are not this. Um, and so, you know, it, 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 who was uh, in um, it was, this whole issue happened with the, the guy in, um, in New Orleans, who I, I can't spit out his name right now. Michael Thomas? No, no, the tight end. When he wanted to be paid oh, like Jimmy a receiver. Graham. Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham, yeah, that's right. Uh, Jimmy Graham wanted to be paid like a wide receiver. You know, he was, he was really wanted that money. And, like, you, you can understand it. You can understand, like, when you're that productive. Um, of course, um, at this point, Kelsey is – look, he's on the down end of his career, right? It's not going likely to go back up, you know. So that's something that has to be considered. You get paid for what you're going to do, not what you've done. And so the, the, you got the look, he seems good with it. Obviously, the Chiefs are good with it. So he'll be fine. He's, he's making a lot of money. But it is a little bit crazy um, that one position can be so productive for teams if you have a guy like that. But the market for the, the, the tight end just is not that high. Um, and this was a great stat from uh, at Lance the Spoken on Twitter. Uh, if Travis Kelce reach, reaches 1,000 receiving yards this season, listen to this, he would have as many consecutive seasons of 1,000-plus receiving yards as Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, Michael Irvin, Andre Johnson, and Anquan Bolden had in their entire careers. Seven. That's unbelievable for a time. He, he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Yep. Um, and, you know, I actually – I would argue one thing. Like, he's not the best receiver in the league. I might argue, though, that he's the most unguardable receiver in the league. Because with most receivers, wide receivers, you can double them with a corner and a safety. I mean, even as great as Tyree Kill is, we've, we've seen where guys have, have – you know, we've seen Belichick take him away, right? We've seen you roll a safety over the top. Kelsey – look, I'm not saying it's impossible to guard him. I mean, obviously, teams can, can figure out ways. But you can't guard him one-on-one. Like, I have never – Never in the history of his career seen a team take him away one-on-one. About the closest I could think of is Derwin James when he's when he's right and he's healthy. Derwin James probably gives him the toughest time. But a lot of times, even when he's bracketed, he's so hard to deal with because they can move him all over. He's inside. He's outside. You'll line him up on a linebacker. You'll line him up on a safety. Some teams put corners on him. 
and he and he kills him because he's too big for him. I yeah. I would argue that in my lifetime he's the biggest mismatch guy the Chiefs have ever had. I mean, again, Tyree Kill certainly can make the argument, but it's a little different in the sense that you can roll a guy over the top with receivers easier. Than, like you're not typically going to do that with a tight end. Now, to be fair, maybe that changes a little bit here with, with Hill being gone. Although they brought in MVS for the speed, but he's right up there, man. Like yeah. I I mean, you look at his career and his numbers in his career. I mean, they are just staggering i don't i don't care what position you play I mean, you're talking about a guy who came into the league and people forget missed his rookie year because he had microfracture surgery which That's is right. a real real surgery and came in late he was older uh, right came and he is a guy who is his first year playing 67 catches 862 yards five touchdowns it's the only playing year of his career he didn't make the pro bowl since then 875 1125 1038 1336 1229 1416 1125 he is i mean nobody ever had four consecutive thousand yard seasons before him at tight end he has now had six he has 57 touchdowns for his career and by the way in the playoffs he's been incredible i mean if you go and look at his numbers in the playoffs especially under with Mahomes 131 yards across two games 207 yards across three games 360 yards across three games 299 yards across three games and in those four years 11 touchdowns um I mean look I know Tony Gonzalez and and I'm not one of these people who like can't stand Tony Gonzalez I I think that's kind of weird honestly but I, I would take Kelsey I know Gonzalez is much better overall numbers he played forever and, and and was an unbelievable player. But I, I think Kelsey is the most dominant tight end I've ever seen them have. And I got to tell you, if in terms of just catching the ball, I think he's the best tight end I've ever seen because of what he does with the ball in his hands, how well he runs routes. Gronk's probably the more dominant all-around tight end just because he's like an offensive lineman blocking as well. Right. But Kelsey, if I needed a guy on third and seven as a tight end, he might be the pick. Yeah, absolutely incredible player for the Chiefs. Been lucky with running backs, and we've been lucky with tight ends for sure. And now we're getting a little bit of luck with quarterback. Our guy in the chat, Gonzo, asks, how many, how many more productive years can we expect out of Kelsey? It's an interesting one, Vertoram. I, I think we can expect – I think it depends on what you mean by productive, right? Like, I think he can be productive for this team for, a, you know, a number of more years, but how productive? I mean – Again, I'll I'll say productive is a thousand plus yards, considering just how dominant he's been. Two to three. I mean, I feel like it's reasonable. He's still in great shape. He's been very durable. And the one thing about tight ends that does age better, it's not about speed with them. It's a, a lot of times with aging, and, and even with receivers to some degree too. This is true. It's your route running. Yeah. Like if you can run routes and get leverage and set guys up, you're going to be able to play for a long time. If you go look at guys like Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez. Jason Witten, these guys played deep into their 30s, deep into their 30s. And they were always able to continue to be productive because they can find openings in the defense. And with Kelsey, he has such a connection with Mahomes. I would be shocked if he's not, unless he just has some kind of a horrible injury, I'd be really surprised if he's not good at 35, 36. I mean, for the record, just at 35 years old, Shannon Sharp is the final year of his career, played on Denver, 62 catches, 770 yards, and eight touchdowns. And he was 35 years old, and he retired. And, and in a time in the day where you didn't throw the ball nearly as much as you do now. You know, that's that's not 1,000 yards, but it's it's certainly not being washed up. Um, Antonio Gates, who played forever, um, and I will say is one of the nicest guys you could ever interview, at 35 years old, is still going strong. I mean, look, from, from 34 years old on, 
Antonio Gates at 29 touchdown catches. Um, you know, there, there's so many examples of it. So I do think he can give him another two to three years. Tony Gonzalez had another 21 touchdowns in him after the age of 35. Kelsey just turned 33. So I do. I do think he's got a lot of good football left in him. Yeah, and if he plays at that level for four more years, boy, his, his resume is going to be pretty sterling. All right, let's talk about the – I wanted to talk to you about the wide receivers. It's a really interesting group of wide receivers that the Chiefs have right now. But before we do, I wanted to say that the uh, if you like the Arrowhead Attic podcast, please consider becoming a member of the Arrowhead Addict family. We've got uh, access our members to special emojis, loyalty badges on the live YouTube streams. You can see them in there right now. Um, and uh, we have a private Discord. We all hang out. We had a happy hour on Monday. It was a good time. We talked about our most hated Chiefs of all time. That was kind of a fun one, fun conversation to have. So uh, if you're interested, uh, check out the link about joining. It's in the description, uh, wherever you get this podcast, and we appreciate your support. Uh, all right, let's 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 talk about these receivers. So Andy took the podium today. He's talking about the wide receiver group. He said, uh, you know, the, the receivers are big, and but they can run, which is uh, a nice combination to have when you're talking about these huge professional athletes. So I wanted to ask you, Verderim, who do you think makes the team? Now, I'm not going to go through the whole list of receivers. Obviously, there's a lot of them that are going to be camp bodies that, that don't have a prayer or might end up on the practice squad. But there are some some names, right? Draft picks and so forth. So we got Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS, Nicole Hardman, Sky Moore, Darius Fountain, Justin Ross. And then you've got uh, Cornell Powell, Josh Gordon, and the last sort of like name, Corey Coleman. That's nine guys. Now, Corey Coleman, like... He's not bust. He's not making the team. But like Gordon was on the team last year. Powell they, is a guy they drafted, but it wasn't ready. They put him on the practice squad. Justin Ross is a guy who has a ton of hype, a lot of talent, injuries, you know, the draft thing, undrafted free agent. So I like when I look at it, I'm like, okay, yeah, Juju, MVS, Hardman, Sky Moore. Right. Those four are given. They're they're a slam dunks. But what about Fountain, Ross, Powell, Gordon? So typically they carry six. And I think Garrett Dieter's still there, is he not? I feel like Gary Dieter is just always there. Yeah, um, I think he might be. I, I didn't put him on the list because, you know. Is Marcus Kemp still there as well? Uh, looking at the – I'm looking at the 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 report. I, hate, from, I, hate, I always forget because these guys like at the bottom of the roster can yeah. kind of move on. I, I don't see him on the report from OTAs. Okay. So my initial thought would be the first four guys are a given. The, the, the first four guys, as you mentioned, Sky Moore, Juju, MVS, Nicole Hartman, I mean, those, those guys, they're going to be – on the team. That's that's in stone. I think Justin Ross is going to make this team. And, and I'm not going there because of hype or anything like that. Go watch Justin Ross in college. I know he's coming off of, of major, major injuries, especially with his back, and, and, and that's no joke. But I do feel like his talent is such that they're going to give that kid a chance. I mean, unless, unless he gets hurt again, I think he gets a chance. Then after that, I, I'd probably go with Josh Gordon. I, I would go with Josh Gordon. I think that's probably the right pick fountain's an interesting guy but i'll, I'll go with gordon interesting because fountain made the made the roster last year uh as the lovely Maisie joins us what is that is that a twizzler <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes i guess that i got it right twizzler. yeah yeah for the audio <laughs> listenings uh it's, it's... great right, fire away <laughs> who are your six um i i gotta tell you i i'm thinking it's juju mvs hardman sky fountain i I think Ross makes it, but I, I could see – yeah, I, th- I think Fountain might take that Josh Gordon spot. I just think – look, Josh Gordon's a little bit older. I, you know, they obviously like something about him. They brought him back. 
he didn't seem like he was in great shape last year. He got a lot of opportunities and didn't really do anything with him. Now, will it help him to have a full offseason? Maybe. But I think if you're thinking about the long-term upside of this wide receiver group, I'd maybe keep – Fountain's a little bit older too, but I'd maybe keep Fountain because I don't – I don't know, man. I just don't see Josh Gordon. He hasn't done anything in a long-ass time. Yeah, so and I don't think he's going to do it this year either, but I don't know who they put – I mean, the other side of it is if you're the Chiefs, you could sit there and say, well, look, we're going to need somebody to play special teams. And you just take the guy you think is best at special teams. Right. Because I mean, Tobe is going to get his pick of some guys too. Right. Um, now, Hardman does play specials. With Sky Moore, will he play some special teams? Maybe. But that that could be a factor in it too, where they just say, look, you know what, if we're going to have a sixth receiver. The other thing that's interesting with them is how many tight ends are they going to carry? Uh, yeah. you, you know you're carrying Kelsey. That's obvious. Jody Fortson, if he's healthy, they're carrying him. And you've got Noah Gray. Is there a fourth guy? Do they carry a fourth guy? Blake Bell. There's a, I mean, so yeah. you know, that's always an option too. You know, they they could. Um, you know, they're gonna carry Michael Burton as a fullback. You know, running back, you're probably going three deep, I would think, on game days. Guys like Gore and then of course Rojo, Ronald Jones, and and uh Clyde Edwards Alaire. So and, and Gonza says, I hope they bring back Jody. Well, he was there at OTAs today. I he played well before he got hurt. Yeah. I don't think he's good. And I will say one thing about him. You hear it from players. You also hear it from people just around the team. They have a lot of respect for him. He is one of the hardest working guys in that team. Now, that doesn't always mean a spot, but after how he flashed last season, like I actually thought that was quietly somewhat of a significant loss when he went down. Yeah. He was playing really well, and Mahomes trusted him. Like yeah. Mahomes would throw the ball in a traffic to him. So I, I think – I think he's going to be there. I'd be very surprised if he's not, to be perfectly honest. I think so. And if you think about the way that the Chiefs are going to want to play this year with maybe not quite so much field stretching without Tyreek Hill, obviously they have MVS and Hardman. Those guys are fast. They can stretch the field a little bit. But if they're going to be trying to move that ball around and really spread it out, he's a big guy that, I mean, he's 6'6". So he's the same size as Blake Bell, but obviously he can he can catch. So Fortson, 240, 6'6". He can go up and get the ball from Mahomes. He's another red zone threat. Like when they were trying to use Josh Gordon in some of those situations last year and in the red zone, and he was dropping passes. If Jody Fortson was there, he probably would have been the, the guy on the receiving end of some of that. Yeah. No, listen, it's going to be really interesting. I um, I am excited about the receivers in, in this capacity. Look, it's going to be different. Everybody knows it's going to be different this year, but they're going to smack the crap out of some teams with their size. They yeah. are big. I mean, did you see pictures of Juju at uh, OTAs today? Guy's huge. Big dude. Look, I mean, he looked pretty pretty yoked out. I and mean, the MVS is not a, a, a big, like a stronger guy, but he's certainly got a ton of size. Sky Moore is not tall, but he's compact. Um, now, if they do keep Josh Gordon, he's an immense guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, Justin Ross is a is a tall guy, not physically, but I mean, he's a tall guy. Fortson uses red off his size. I mean, one thing about the Chiefs this year, it's not going to be a bunch of little guys trying to get off the line of scrimmage. I mean, they, they're going to they're going to run some guys over. And if I'm the Chiefs, I would not be worried at all. But hey, get the ball in Juju's hands on a crosser and let the safety come up and try to tackle him. Yeah. And I mean, I think one thing about the Chiefs this year on both sides of the ball, but offense included, obviously, I think they got much more physical. You look at the guys they drafted. You want to go see a physical tape? Go watch Brian Cook's tape, second round safety they took. That kid is is just laying the wood one hit after the next. Carl Loftus is a big physical guy. Leo Chenal is one of the more physical guys in the draft. I don't think any of that was an accident. They went out and got guys who hit and who hit back on offense. And it, 
And I think that'll serve them well. I really do. I agree, man. I think that they're going to try to play with a little bit more of an attitude this year. They've been kind of a finesse team over the years since Mahomes got there on offense. Not a lot of power running. Uh, But now they've got this mean, nasty offensive line. I mean, those guys, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, they can get out there. They can rough some guys up. I think Andy wants big guys on the edge that can block so he can really work. He's got, you know, nobody's got more screens than Andy Reid. He's he's got screen games coming out of his ears. Uh, And the same thing on defense. You need to, you're going up against all these other high powered offenses. They're going to be throwing across the middle. They need to, they got younger, they got faster, and they got meaner on both sides of the ball, and particularly on defense. I want to see them light some guys up so that it's not like you're not going to stop everybody every time, but you need to make them think twice when they're going across the middle. You're going to to lay some wood on. I mean, we talked about this all year last year. All year, save for maybe a five-game stretch when they played really well late in the season defensively and then fell apart at the end of the season. They just they were not physical defensively. I mean, and, and that was one of the things we loved so much about their linebackers where Bolton and Gay were hitting everything that moved. I mean, that was yeah. – Nick Bolton is one of the more physical players they've had in a long time at that position. He hits. You need to be able to hit on defense. I know the rules are different. The rules are different and everything's opened up now and it's harder to hit without taking penalties and all that. But they finally were hitting and they were really hitting hard at that second level. And I think it made a difference. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk a bit about LaShawn McCoy. Didn't didn't know that was going to be coming up, but hell, it is May. Um, LaShawn McCoy made some comments recently about Eric Bieniemy, and just basically was kind of a jerk and was like, oh yeah, you know, he doesn't get along with players. That's why he's not he's not getting a job. So Andy Reid was asked about that today up at the podium. And Andy said, kind of buried LaShawn McCoy a little bit. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people were tweeting the skull emoji from Andy Reid. LaShawn McCoy wasn't the youngest pup in the kennel here. Um, he was on the backside of his career. And sometimes that's hard to take. So basically saying, hey, man, the problem is an EB. EB gets after guys. But this guy was just toast. He was washed. And he wasn't getting on the field, and he thought he should be. And uh, that's why he's saying what he's saying. What's your, what's your thoughts on that whole interaction? I think LaShawn McCoy yeah. was once a great player. He was not a great player in Kansas City. And if he thinks that Eric Bieniemy is the reason that he was not a great player in Kansas City, I would advise him to turn on the tape. I'm not going to sit here and take up for Eric Bieniemy like, in, in terms of like what a great coach he is. His resume speaks for itself. He's been an excellent offensive coordinator throughout his career. Now, why he doesn't have a head coaching job? There's a lot of speculation as to why. And look, I've talked with a lot of people in the league about this. I mean, just not not in a reporting way, but just in passing. And there's some people that'll say, hey, you know what? It's it's just, it's not gone his way. Some people say, well, maybe he doesn't interview well. Maybe maybe it's just it, it's been it's been a, a, a part of a racism issue in the NFL. I mean, you could go on and on and on. There's a million ways to take it. But um, his relationships with players, I've never heard any other player ever come out and say they had a problem with him. Right. I mean, that's one thing you've never heard. Kelsey talks about how much he loves him all the time. I've never heard publicly ever Mahomes having any issue with him. Seems like they've always had a good relationship. Like Eric Bieniemy not having a head coaching job. There may be a lot of reasons for it. Uh, LaShawn McCoy being upset about the fact that he wasn't utilized properly and he wasn't going to take it. Let's just call it what it is. LaShawn McCoy was washed as all get out by the time he showed up to Kansas City. And that's fine. It is what it is. He had a great career. The Chiefs tried to get one last year out of him. They didn't. 
fine. But yeah. let's not pretend that's because of Eric Bieniemy. Right? So let's call it what it was. It was Father Time. He was still carrying the 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 ball like a loaf of bread, though. He was he was doing that. Uh, yeah, it drove me crazy every time they gave him the ball. Yeah, now, of course, no mention was made of the the complete inability to tuck the ball and just fumble it every third possession. Yeah, that apparently not part of the reason that yeah. Sean McCoy said. Yeah. Um, all right, we uh, we've got a question for you guys as we as we go to move towards wrapping things up here. And I want you to start thinking about it out there in the chat because we want to hear from you on this. Start thinking about it. What would your last meal on earth be? Your last meal on earth, last thing you can eat. Um, And before we get to that, did you know that the Arrowhead Attic Podcast has swag now? Check out the link in the description if you want to rock some Arrowhead Attic Podcast swag. Check out the Adidas golf hat, the champion hoodie, and of course, this sweet red Arrowhead Attic Podcast t-shirt. I'm rocking it right now. It's awesome. Very comfortable, soft a must-buy if you like this podcast and you want to write in, you know, it's Chiefs colors. Go a little red, a little white. I like our logo over here, too. It's nice. Um, and so check out the Arrowhead Attic Swag Shop. Link in the description. Okay, last meal on Earth, Rotoran. This is a big one. We know that there's a lot of food that you like. Bowl account chocula, a peanut butter pie, uh, other things we haven't talked about, Italian food, but like uh, Buckeyes. What's it going to be, the last meal? I mean, if it's a if it's a meal, I can't yeah, just yeah. sit here and be like an entire pie. It would have to be some kind of an Italian dish, just based off of who I am. You know, it, it would have to. I think this is going to sound really boring, but I'd probably want like some garlic bread on the side, and then like a really really good plate of uh, of my, uh, spaghetti and meatballs. My grandfather, when he was alive, my mother's father made the best meatballs ever, to the point that you'd eat them without sauce. They were just incredible. I'd probably have that, and then dessert would be a really good cannoli and none of that pistachio shit either okay i hate that people putting that pistachio flake and all that crap no no just put chocolate chips on the end of it and cover the shell in some chocolate yep i don't want some of this plain shell either if i'm if i'm gonna give myself a heart attack and have a cannoli i'd at least like to go all the way um so i I think that's how i'm going the garlic bread's got to be good it's got to be crunchy none of this soggy nonsense it shouldn't taste like it came out of the microwave yep give me that i'm good as far as a drink a casey beer with it i'll I'll, uh wash down the casey beer i love it we're getting some uh some folks in the chat our guy evan warner says old time barbecue in raleigh north carolina every time i visit family there i gotta get some Lucas says, for me, it's the best buffalo wings that I could get. Shout out, by the way, to Horse Thief Hollow here on the south side of Chicago in the Beverly neighborhood. Horse Thief Hollow, if you're ever out this way. I was there last night. They had a steak special. That's why I went. But I I, I was there the other day, and somebody walked past me with a plate of their buffalo wings. I've lived in this neighborhood for a year. I'd never had them. I ordered some. Unbelievable buffalo wings. Wow. Great sauce. Some of the crunchiest buffalo wings I've ever had. They were delicious. Loved it. Uh, Evan Warner says uh, lasagna. Uh, Gonzo says best cheesecake, question mark. Sam says, oh, he, Sam's talking about LaShawn. Uh, <laughs> so for me, it's got to be. There's a, a burger joint in Northeast Ohio, uh, outside of Cleveland. There's one in Akron, uh, Kent, a few around that area called Swenson's. It's like an A&W style. Like you drive up in your car, you turn your lights on, they come out. There's no inside. You don't need inside. They run it out. I've been going there since I ran cross country back in high school. The absolute best burger I've ever had in my entire life. It's absolutely incredible. They've actually won a couple of contests, best burger, uh, from Forbes, like years ago, back in the nineties. And, uh, that would be it for me. It's that, that they're half pounder plus with ketchup, mustard, bacon, onion, tomato. Um, and uh, and then we're going with the jalapeno poppers. Okay. I'm going with the 32 ounce Dr. Pepper. And uh, 
for dessert, their peanut butter malt. Absolutely outrageous. I can get the whole meal right there in one spot. There's, you know, there's some other things I'd like to have that day. I'd like maybe if I could get some bowl of Count Chocolate for an yeah. appetizer, something like that. Um, but that place is just the food's incredible. And then my, my second one, if you ever go to Jib Jab in Girard, Ohio, or the hot dog shop in Warren, Ohio, they're basically the same place. Long story. Best chili cheese hot dogs in the world. Hands down. Incredible. I thought for sure at some point in this whole meal thing for you, we were going to Dairy Queen. Um, You're right. Which I, you know, which by the way, I will throw out. I don't go to Dairy Queen nearly as much, although I do enjoy it quite a bit. The peanut butter milkshake is just unbelievable. Yeah. It's yeah. But yeah, listen, there's a lot of things. I got, you know, if you've ever been to Portillo's in Chicago, it's just unbelievable. I mean, there's so many things. I like to at least like, like can I have like a month's worth of meals? Because at that point, like who yeah. cares, right? Yeah. Like what, by here, we can finish with this. What is the age that you would get to where you're like, you know what? I don't care anymore. I'm eating whatever I want. And if death comes with it, I've accepted it. Lord can take me now. Oh, man. Um, what age did you start eating and not care anymore? I'd say 80. If I make it to 80, like at that point, it's just going to be a rapid decline, right? Like my, like I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a man. We know like the average age of men that live to in this country. Like, yeah, I, I like to smoke cigars. I like to drink a little bit. Like I'm probably not going to make it that far. But if I do, um, it's going to be a rapid decline. Like I'm not going to be a guy who makes it to 80, then also makes it to like 92. It's going to be 81, 82 tops. So at 80, it's a race to the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Empty the clip. What about you? It's weird. So my family actually has a real, my dad's father lived 101 oh. um, and was like unbelievably healthy the entire time. My mom's grandfather lived 101. So my family history says I'm in good shape. Now my, my body says I'm in terrible shape. So uh, we'll split the difference. But I think it like, if I felt like crap at 75, I'm probably just leaning into it at that point. But if I yeah. feel good, I think 80 is the right number. I'd wait to 80. And the second I turned 80, I'd be, I don't care anymore. I don't want to hear any doctor. Like, your cholesterol is a little high. It should be higher. Yeah. It should be even higher. It's a <laughs> failure if I'm not in the danger zone. Like, yeah. I, it needs, I don't want to hear about added sugar when I'm 82. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, like, what am I saving it for? <clears throat> right. So I'm, right. I'm with you, man. If, if I get to 80, okay, if God makes that big of a mistake, and I get there, I'm at that juncture, I'm all in. I'm eating like an animal until it's over. I will say that before you, uh, before your wedding, you you told me that Steph better enjoy it because once you got married, you were letting yourself go. Once you said I do, that was over. And I know you got a personal trainer now. You go for I know, walks. I've gone completely the opposite way. Yeah, shame. I was looking forward to seeing like where you'd be at this point, but you've, you've maintained some some degree of, uh, you, well, you got a, you got a little girl to worry about now. You need to stick I, around for her. Yeah, two well, of them. Yeah, two of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's funny now. Like I go to the gym and I'm, I'm like the least disgraceful I've ever been. I used yeah. to go to the gym and I had to like apologize to people that I was showing up. I was bringing right. down the value of the, of the, the whole business. Now <laughs> I feel like I go, although every once in a while you go to the gym and it's like, I'll lift you know, whatever it is. Uh, I don't know, you know, 180 pounds on a bench press or 109 pounds. And then you get off. And like Once in a while, like you'll get off and then somebody will like, take off a whole bunch of the weight. And you're like, you know, even though it doesn't matter and you're not trying to compare yourself, like you feel good. You're like, hey, I, I'm doing well. Then somebody else gets on there and they, like whatever your one rep max was, they crank out like 15 of them. Yeah. And then they just throw on like 245s on each side. You're like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Like, I, never going to make it, am I? And that's, <laughs> that's pretty much, yeah, that's it. That's the way it goes. I'm not very strong. Um, so I always hate bench pressing at the gym because like, that, you know, I wish they made all the weights the same size. You got to put the little ones on there. You know, when you're trying to build strength, you feel like such an asshole. I, 
I want to one day, just as a joke, like get weights that are made out of foam that look legit and just bring them, like yeah. bring them to the gym and just go in there and throw on what looks like 450 pounds and just crank a set of like 20, yeah. you know? But uh, I think that that dream is going to have to die with me. By the way, real quick here as we, uh, we get ready to wrap. Uh, we did have a couple of ratings and reviews, uh, which we always try to hit. And then I got to go because I got my daughter's uh, soccer match, which uh, I'm coaching in. So God bless the children. All right. So real quick, uh, if I can pull them up. Okay. So we got this one very nice from Saucy Chief. You guys are great. Five stars. Finally got my dad to listen to the podcast and can't get enough. He went back and listened to every podcast in the past season. God oh. bless uh, you guys are great to listen to, and every Tuesday and Thursday help quench my thirst for football during the drought. Speaking of thirst, any way to get Casey beer for someone who lives in California? Father's Day is coming up. Um, uh, we can answer that in a, que- in a second. I also have a question for you guys. I personally love the moves we made on offense. I miss Tyreek, but I feel like the depth we have is great in the receiving core. My fear is the defense, particularly edge. Are there any realistic moves or targets we can go after during the season or during the trade deadline? Any players you'd like to see at edge, you can make an impact. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for the review. Uh, I, I would say that it's going to be tough now getting an edge rusher. I think they'd have to wait till in the season. One guy to watch maybe is Brian Burns, who's on his rookie deal, but if Carolina really struggles, could get moved. He's a great young player. Would be worth a lot of draft capital, but might be worth making that move. Um, as far as Casey Beer uh, in California, unfortunately, it's illegal to ship beer interstate or uh, out of state, if, if uh, I'm not incorrect. So we'll have to, unfortunately, say I don't, I don't think it can get out there unless I'm, unless I'm wrong. And if, in which case, Patrick, uh, let me know. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not distributed out in California. You'd need to you need to hook up with somebody in camp. My, my advice is, is go on a forum or like beer advocate, one of those types of things and find, find a buddy in a beer group, Facebook, whatever, find a buddy in, in Kansas city who can get you the beer and who might be willing to ship it to you. Uh, there's a lot of beer swap groups that do that. The, the, the Casey beer can't, um, unfortunately distribute. I'm not, not asking anybody to engage in anything illegal. I'm just telling you that there, there are these things that exist. So, yeah, that that would be my best advice to you. Yeah, uh, we had a couple other ones, but unfortunately, we are running hard, hard up against a deadline for me. But we will get to those next week. Yeah. I will not forget to read those uh, reviews, and I thank everybody for sending. Them. They're all five stars. One of them is actually really introspective, which I will get to. One of them is also from Clint, who is our PR director, essentially. Yeah. So uh, thank you very, very much. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. John says, how about an addict's tailgate plans when the Chiefs come to Chicago this preseason? If there's enough of you out there, we'll do it. We'll figure it out. So uh, we'll, right. we'll put out a form or something. All right, everybody. Burram's got to go. Uh, what's what's the team's record? Oh, uh, we're 1-1-1, uh, one, one and one, I think. Something like that. One, one, oh, two, one. We haven't lost all our games. I know that. Maybe That's we're good. 0 2 one Either way, something like that. We we tied a game, and uh, we should have won another game. That's a whole other story. We we're hosed. Uh, but it's fine. The kids are having fun. They're all good kids. Uh, Maisie, Maisie enjoys running around and having a snack, so it's good. It's a slow start, but I think you guys will, will turn things around. I'm confident. Okay. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for your support. As always, check us out on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Leave us a question, and we'll read it on the podcast. Thanks to everybody in the chat on YouTube. Thank you to especially to all of our members, everybody who came to the happy hour on Monday, you guys, we we couldn't do this without you. Thanks to our producer, Richard, uh, and all of the addicts out there. We will see you next week on Tuesday. Sterling, uh, hopefully he's feeling better. We'll be back with Matt Connor. And uh, until then, go Chiefs.